the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoniker. I am your host. And today I have a wonderful opportunity to present to you an interview that I believe can, if nothing else, give you the tools you need to navigate one part of our culture that is changing so quickly around us. And it's it's happening so fast that many of us don't feel equipped to deal with it. We're going to talk today about an issue that we have actually discussed before on this show. And then another issue that we have actually discussed before on this show, but we're going to bring those two together. Today, we're going to discuss critical race theory a little bit. We'll also discuss the issue of abortion in the United States and both of those things in particular in the black community. Uh, There are so many changes happening in our culture, and so much of that is underlied by this idea of critical race theory. And we've talked about what that is and defined it. Our guest today will define it a little more for us, a little more broadly for us. Uh, But the connection between that and a lot of other things that are happening, things like abortion, Uh, the abortion folks, the people who push this uh, pro-abortion agenda, and there are so many. We've seen victories at the Supreme Court level, but that has pushed this issue then to the states and states like mine here in California. This has become a major issue. And we see those who are uh, pushing this pro-abortion agenda, and it's very difficult for us to understand. There are things that at one time would not even be discussed that are now being signed into law in states across the country. Thankfully, there are some who are pushing back. There are others who are embracing this entirely and completely. But understanding the connection between ideas like critical race theory and its ancillaries, uh, that and abortion, where that finds a place in the black community in the United States, how we understand and look at, how we view and talk about organizations like uh, Black Lives Matter. These are things we've all talked about in parts over the last Uh, many, many episodes. But John, our guest today, brings them together for us. And I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation, uh, but also to talk about his book that should serve, can serve as a tool for many of us as we seek to navigate this. My guest today is John Amanchukwu. Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that, and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital, and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now 
Crazy shipping, uh, free shipping, and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need <laughs> to take a look at. You can call for details, 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation government debt interest rate hikes economic crashes even wars and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios Uh, one of the things i love about lear capital is that they are an american-owned company proud to do business with americans that share conservative values write this number down 800-489-6450 call them today or if you don't want to call you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes check them out you will do yourself a great service by at least investigating lear and what they have to offer My guest today is John Amachukwu. John is a passionate minister, father, speaker, and leader with many circles of influence. He's also been a youth and college pastor for 15 years. Graduate from North Carolina State University where he played football. Also graduate from Liberty University and recently the author of Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. And that is soon to be released. John, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me on the show. I am uh, I'm excited about this conversation for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, one of the big ones is the connection that you make between critical race theory and abortion. And then <laughs> beyond that, the Christian community's uh, response to both of these things, which has been not great over the last several years. And uh, so I'm excited to talk to you about, about those. But let's start with your story, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, tell, us, tell us your story, how you grew up, how you came to faith, and kind of what got you involved in uh, the work that you're doing now. You speak, you preach, you teach, and uh, also identify yourself as an activist. How do you get into that world? Where'd you come from? So I was born in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, uh, and my mother moved us to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, when I was at the age of five, uh, me along with my three other siblings. Um, we lived in a shelter for nearly a year when we went to Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow. Wow. Now, the Bible says foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of hmm. man had nowhere, nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> I know all about yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. I know, I know all about that. Um, and one of the things that we noticed even during that time frame is that my mother had an abiding faith. You know, she was a devout Christian. She trusted in God. And one of the things that really kept us together as a family unit was uh, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, I went on to graduate from Cardinal Gibbons High School and then went on to play football at North Carolina State University. There's where I gave my life to Christ. Uh, yeah. I was like most young men who played Division One football or young adults in general. You know, I got saved early and often, you know, but it it wasn't until the age of 19 where I surrendered and committed my life to Jesus Christ. And from there, the Lord just gave me a a passion and a desire to disciple and to witness. And so I I can recall on Monday nights at the football center at NC State, uh, at the football practice around 9.30 or 10 p.m., we would go into the racquetball room and about 10 to 15 players would get on our knees and pray. Wow. And 
you wow. know, go before God. And then on, on Tuesday nights, I led a Bible study group on the campus as well. Uh, from that, I graduated uh, from from NC State, went on to uh, sell pharmaceutical drugs for a little while and then went and t- took a uh, full time position at a Christian school as a director of development. Hmm. Um, moved on from there to become an executive director of that school um, and then uh, took took my call into ministry even further to become a youth pastor and a young adult pastor. Uh, the work that I do now as relates to me being an ath- an activist and an author, uh, it really was pressed upon me from my senior pastor, Bishop Patrick Lane Wooden Sr. Back in 2010, we had a fatherhood initiative service at our church wow. where he really exposed the, the plight of the black community as it relates to the abortion crisis. You know, I, I didn't know at that time that nearly... Um, I think it was at that point about, about 1,800 black babies were being aborted every day in our country, you know, and that's that, that was a travesty. You know, oftentimes people on the left talk about systemic racism, but they fail to bring up the systemic racism of the abortion industry. Right. That's fueled and propagated from the left and by the left and through the left. You know, that's the only political part. Um, that's the only political platform. Um and party where you see a full throated support for abortion. Right. And we, we, we must contend against that. We must fight against that. And so uh, I can recall during the summer of 2020, where I went to the same abortion clinic that I've been working at now for the, the past 10 years. And I was encountered by a black father wearing a BLM shirt. Go figure yeah. right down at the abortion yeah. clinic with the BLM shirt. And he yeah. walked up to me and he said, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? And in that moment, I said to myself, man, fight him, a white man's issue. You know, I looked around and I saw that 70 percent of the people that were there were white trying to save the babies. Mm. But nearly 80 to 85 percent of the mothers in the abortion clinic were black. But this guy's going to accost me and tell me I'm fighting a white man's issue. You know, he was was blind. He was woke. He had drunk the woke uh, uh, Kool-Aid. And if I were to ask him in that moment, what was the definition of critical race theory? He would probably tell me, I don't know, but he was a walking poster child for all things CRT because in critical race theory, they see racism at, at, at all times and in all places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even at the lo- local abortion clinic, when a black man is trying to save babies in general, right? Yep. And yep. critical race theory um, is a divisive tactic and tool that has been used by the left to make blacks out to be victims. And so it paints whites as inherently racist and blacks are victims and we're inferior to white. So we demonize whiteness and make blacks inferior. But I believe that only fools put on the garland of victimization. I'm Mm -hmm. not a victim. My children are Mm -hmm. not a a victim. I'm a father three times over, right? I'm married to a beautiful black woman. Uh, yep. for, for the past 14 years, and she's not a victim as well. And the thing that I teach my children is that America is the greatest nation on the face of this planet. Yes, we had some past atrocities. We, we overcame slavery. We overcame Jim Crow laws. But America is the greatest nation around. You know, there were countless people saying that they would move from America if Donald Trump won in 2020. People <laughs> like Whoopi Goldberg. Did she move? Yep. No. She's not going to Africa. I've gone to the I've right. been to the motherland. I went to Africa 
in 2003. And I was so happy to get back to the U.S. I could have kissed the bathroom <laughs> of a 7-Eleven. I mean, we, we, we have it good. We have it good here. It's, it's, it's the great nation. Right. Our founding documents, our constitution, the freedoms that we offer for all mankind. Yes, we have some yep. past atrocities, but we're not there anymore. America has matured. And the only way for us to um, to bring about true abiding unity is that we must press forward. I, I look at what's happening, um, particularly in the black community and with the left. You look at guys like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and Whoopi Goldberg and many others who make make money. Their livelihood is tied to the victimization of a race. And I understand that. That makes sense to me from a, just a, a business plan standpoint, right? Like that, they need that. But the black community at large, why have they, from your perspective, adopted this this mantle of victimhood, particularly in the United States where, um, and I'm sure you can talk more to this certainly than I can, but there is so much opportunity and that's not limited by race or gender or any of those things we talk about. Why aren't more people in the black community pushing back on that? Well, when you, when you mention men like Reverend Al Sharpton, you can also bring up Jesse Jackson. A man who at one point called abortion black genocide. Right. But it was right. when, when it was time for him to run for the office of the presidency, he sold his community yep. down a river and he would no longer call it black genocide. He did an about face. He, he was a, he's a turncoat. Right. And he failed to really address the issue of the black genocide that was taking place in our nation before political expediency. And so I believe mm. that many blacks are um, more beholden to the planks and the Democratic Party platform than they are the cross beams of Calvary. And so what, today what we see more than ever, that blacks are supporting a party th that wants to kill yeah. them. You know, the, the ultimate yeah. demise of the black community has taken place through policies enacted from the left. And I'm, I'm not woke. I'm awakened. I'm not asleep. Hmm. I know what's really going on. Right. And I've, I've, I've studied uh, the Democratic Party platform. I've studied the Republican Party platform. And I know more than ever that we need to push towards uh, ending abortion and ending critical race theory, which is why I wrote the book. I fused yeah. these two forms of racism together yeah. to point out the discrepancies and the issues within both of them. Uh, the Margaret Sanger, an evil witch who I believe was in the hottest part of hell today. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Right. Hmm. Uh, she thought she, she sought to destroy and eliminate the black population. Right. She and, and she was very open about that. That's not something that was hidden. I mean, she's written about it, yes. or wrote about it and talked about it. Yes, yeah, she, she did. Um, see, Margaret Sanger wanted to eliminate the black population. She wanted to get rid of people who were deformed, individuals who had mental problems and things of that nature. Yeah. She wanted to kill all of those individuals. And she said that she would use blacks, in particular the black uh, politician and the black preacher, if it ever occurred to any of the more rebellious Negroes who did not want to support Planned Parenthood yeah. or the tool, yeah. the tool of abortion. And so today, Margaret Sanger will probably look at me as a rebellious Negro. Right. right. And so, you know what? <laughs> hey, I wear that as, as a badge of honor. Yeah. I'll be. Yeah her rebellious Negro until the day that I die, because I believe that all babies should have a chance to live 
especially black baby. You see, abortion is a tool that Satan has used for a long time. In the Old Testament, he tried to kill the Hebrew boys, uh, in particular, trying to get to yeah. um, trying to get to Moses, uh, Moses through, yeah. through Pharaoh. Um, then you see uh, the evil god uh, Molech, which was fashioned by man's hand. Hands, mm -hmm. uh, children were sacrificed to this god in the Old Testament. Yep. And then you see uh, through Herod, Herod tried to kill Jesus through killing the mm -hmm. the, the young the young children. And today, since 1973, 64 million babies have been aborted in this country, and 20 million are black. A pastor by the name of Reverend Clinard Childress, Childress said that if these current trends of abortion continue, then by 2038, the black vote will be non-existent. I don't want that to take place. I, I don't want that to happen. And I say shame on every preacher in this nation, black, yellow, orange, green, red, purple, yeah. whatever. <laughs> shame on every preacher who fails to preach against abortion. The issue today, Jeremy, is that we have too many wimps leading our church, our churches. Mm. We have yep. too many wimps mounting our sacred desks and preaching from the platform messages that are laden with woke ideologies and easy believism people are afraid to really hit the hard issues you know we've gone woke you know and here's the reality god is not looking for a woke church he's looking for a broken church he's looking for a church whose heart it has been brought to contrition a heart yeah. that can be used by god and i try to fight with everything within me this e evil juggernaut of abortion because I see the demise and I see the danger and the corruption that it has left upon our nation. John, I, I would like to ask you why abortion has been normalized in American culture and society, but I won't because I think as Christians, we understand, um, you know, the evil spirit that pervades those who are, you know, not Christians. They serve their father, the devil, the Bible would say. But I will ask how abortion has started to get into the church. As you mentioned, pastors not preaching against abortion and those things, but even some Christians now or Christians so-called, uh, I have a really hard time with calling yourself a Christian and saying you're also pro-abortion, but Christians so-called, Christians leader, leaders making room for abortion. And then people within the context of local churches saying there are times when abortion is okay or acceptable. Um, I don't know that we've gotten to the place where we are generally as Christians accepting it, but it has infiltrated the church. How did we get to this place where even Christians would be at least okay with the idea of abortion at the right time in the right place, um, but certainly not standing up and pushing back against it? Well, I'll say this. Pastors um, filled with the spirit of cowardice. You know, cowardice is not a fruit of the spirit. You know, I, I really think that we really need to get, get a good understanding of that. Um, you know, if you preach the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to deal with the issue of shedding innocent yeah. blood. You're going you, yeah. to get to Exodus 20 and 13, where the Bible says, don't murder, don't kill. Uh, you'll get to Proverbs 16, 6, verses 16 through 19. It talks about the seven sins that God hates. One of them is uh, shedding innocent blood. You'll get yeah. to the story of Jeremiah, where even in his yeah. womb, God knew that he was a prophet and he called him. Right. You'll get to the book right. of Psalms, where it talks about how we were fearfully, were fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. If we preach right. the Bible, 
then much of these issues would not be problem be a problem. But but today we've moved far away from the Bible and everybody just wants to preach about five steps to get rich and seven steps <laughs> to, you know, be the best uh, motivational speaker. You know, the role of the preacher is not to be a motivational speaker. Right. We're not glorified right. uh, Dr. Fields. We, 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 we're God's men who have been called to preach truth and to give people uh, and to show people their transgressions and to point people towards the cross. I was asked a question yesterday, you know, about uh, John, you know, you, 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 you preach quite often and your message is very strong. You know, is there any hope in your message? I said, yes, but there can be no hope without truth. Right. Today, we want right. hope void of truth. But there is mm. no hope unless you have the truth. Once you get the truth, you will have all the hope that you need. Yeah, that's good. You look at uh, even an example like the the people in Nineveh. There was a lot of hope in the message of Jonah to repent. Yes, <laughs> there, there's a lot of hope in that. Exactly. You know that story of Jonah. I speak of it in this manner. You know, it's the worst sermon ever preached. Right? <laughs> the guy was so reluctant. He didn't want to preach it. He was so mad. He was preaching. <laughs> yeah, he, he just walked in and said, "Yeah, if you don't if you don't <laughs> repent, you're gonna die. If you don't repent, you're gonna die." What? Over a hundred thousand people. Got got yeah. saved. The worst sermon ever preached, right. but it worked. Why did it work? Because it was God's yeah. commandment for him to do it, and it was God's right. word, right? And so today yeah. we need preachers just to preach what the Bible says from Genesis to Revelation. My Pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build My Pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. Um. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I could sit here and talk about that all day long. I'll be honest. I've had a few messages where I'm like, God, I don't want to do it. What if they respond? I don't want to do it. He's like, you don't get a choice. That's not why you're here. Um, Let's talk about your book, Erased. So it's not E-R-A-S-E-D. It's Erased. Talk about the title and then, you know, why you wrote it. I think we've gotten a sense of that. Um, 
but why this was an important book for you to write, right. you in particular, you as a dad, as a husband, as a Christian, as a pastor, why was this important for you? Well, Erased is more than a book. It's a movement, you know, so the book is going to mm-hmm. help me launch a movement. Erased is the movement That's that good. loves life of every race and color and sees all mankind mm-hmm. born and unborn as one blood and equally valuable. In the Erased book, I point out the racism behind critical race theory, the racism behind the abortion industry, you know, because I believe that racism is not a color or a skin tone. Racism is sin, right? Mm. And contrary to popular opinion, all people uh, have this Adamic nature and this propensity to sin, not just people that look like you, Jeremy, but also people that look like me, right? And so we must address this on a sin level. That's how we can really get to the heart of the issue. We can't view people as groups. We have to view individuals as individuals. The greatest enemy that I'm fighting today, and I talk about this in the race book, is not white supremacy. I'm fighting a dragon who started off Mm -hmm. as a serpent, right? From you see, we see Satan as a serpent. In Genesis, yeah. but by the time we get to Revelation, he's he's a dragon, you know. And we see where the Bible says that My- Michael fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon fought back, but he was hurled down. And when Satan was hurled down, we find him now trying to destroy uh, the image of God. Abortion yeah. hates and rejects the image of God. When we hate our brothers and sisters just because of trivial things like the color of their skin or the texture of their hair or the color of yep. their eyes. These are things that hate, cause us to reject the image of God. God is the one that gave us the tapestry of our colors. He chose that. But at the end of the day, we see in scripture in Acts 17 and 26 that we are one blood. And yep. as we uh, yep. hold on to those truths, we find out that there's not there's not much that really uh, separates us. When you pull back our flesh, we all bleed red. We've all been formed and made in the image of God. We're all fearfully mm-hmm. and wonderfully made, and we're all we've all been created to serve God. And so, yeah. if we continue to in that direction, I believe that through the Erase Book, it will begin to expose many of the fallacies of the left, in particular even what's going on in our public school system. Many of our children today, and I address this in uh, one of my chapters called What About the Children? Uh, we see today where children are being indoctrinated, indoctrinated in the public school system. If Satan can't kill them in the womb, he'll seek to kill them mentally in the classroom. Mm. And what, what are yeah. kids being told today? Young boys as early as the age of five, they've been told that you can be a girl. Women are, women yeah. are being told that you can be a man. Transgenderism is being pushed. I just left Vermont. I found out that in, out, out in Vermont that eight from, from young adults, 18 to 24, 25% of them identify as LGBTQ. Why? No way. They've wow. been indoctrinated. Yeah. They've been groomed. And you know what? Yeah. We can't groom on the left and we can't groom on the right. You know, we have this guy called Bruce Jenner who for, for some <laughs> reason or another Fox News likes to show him on television, you know, but at the end of the day, 
we don't need to uh, to prop up Bruce Jenner, right? Because he's propagating a big lie. There's no such thing as yeah. Caitlyn, you know? And I want to say this as well. Even though uh, the Republicans have began, begun to bring in the log cabin Republicans, my, my message to the log cabin Republicans is simple. Get born again. Give your life to Christ. Yeah. God did not desire yeah. for you to erase his image and his purpose for your life. But if you don't get born born again, God's going to burn the law cabin down. And so we have yeah. to give the hope and the truth to people so that people might know um, that there is a pending judgment. The work that I'm doing is about judgment, um, Jeremy. I'm trying to point people towards the cross. Yes, I want people to purchase my book. When you buy the book, you'll find out that it's uh, steeped in the word of God. It's factual. It's doctrinal. It's yeah. true. But at the end of the day, I would never take the erased book and put it on the same level as the Bible, the best-selling yeah. book of all time. Of all time. Yeah. But yeah. the erased book is a tool that I believe should be placed into the hands of every individual as they prepare to vote on November 8th. Man, there's so much there. Um, if I could ask you this question, what you just said spurred so many thoughts in my mind. One of them took me back to the scenes of maybe two years ago when the BLM riots and all of that were, were so pervasive in our nation. And a lot of pastors, even you know, pastors I know that I'm friends with, um, pastor largely, I won't say white churches. I mean, there's a lot of racial diversity, but wanted to address what has been viewed or propagated as um, you know, inequity and inequality and pastors standing up and talking about this. And I think most did a pretty poor job. Uh, some did better than others, but most did a poor job. Uh, what would your advice be to pastors who do want to address issues like race and do want to address some of these issues, but just don't know how. <laughs> they just don't understand how to navigate that principally. And I know there are a lot of sp specific things you could probably give if you were sitting down with someone, but principally, how would you instruct a pastor or encourage a pastor who wants to preach the whole counsel of God, who wants to disciple their churches through all that's happening, including the race stuff? Um, what are some principles that you would give to a pastor? This is what you need to do to really lead your church in this area. Well, yeah, when there is um, true prejudice and bias that we can point to, um, preach about it. Talk about it. You know, yeah. I think pastors should talk about racism. You know, I have a lot of people who tell me, you know, John, you're against critical race theory, so you don't want uh, past atrocities to be taught about. And that's mm -hmm. not true. I just don't want them taught yeah. with the intent of propaganda and trying right. to divide people. I believe that pastors should preach about loving your neighbor as yourself. That's simple. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's one of the twin commandments, you know. And so yeah. if, I think yeah. that we should preach more, more, more about that. Um, I, I do believe, you know, that we need to move. Um, let me say this the right way. We need to move not simply beyond being colorblind. But we need to embrace being color affirming. You know, the notion of being colorblind was brought about as relates to Dr. King's statement on being judged by mm. the, the, the color right. of the skin versus the content of, of your right. character. Right. And many people from that um, produced this ideology called being colorblind. And I get it. I understand the principles behind it. It makes sense to me. Right. 
But to many blacks right. out there, you know, there's this notion that, okay, you're, you're, you're colorblind, so therefore you don't see me. Right. Mm. And so don't don't look past me. Look at me. Be color affirming. Right. I should be able to look at a person right. and see see who, them, who, see them and see their color, but not have a prejudice or a, a bias because of what they yep. Yep. look like. You know, I think pastors don't need to take their marching orders from uh, woke terms. You know, critical race theory was steeped in critical theory, which started in the Frankfurt School of Germany. You know, if you know much about Germany, you know, that's a terrible place to get your ideologies from (laughs) and your principles, you know. And but from critical theory, um, create there was uh, pushed ideologies of gender theory, and queer theory and intersectionality and hegemonic power. Well, these are the things that we're oftentimes using today to address race. And these are worldly forms of social justice. But the Bible is the quintessential framework for biblical justice. We should preach it. We should teach it. And I think that if we get back to doing that, um, we would uh, mitigate many of these issues that we experience today. Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned earlier that Erased the Book is a tool that will be used in, in the movement that is starting. Yes. And um, when you talk about that, what does that look like? And, and what on the other side of that are you hoping to see happen? Great question. I believe if Jesus were to come back today, he would not go to the local church and flip tables and turn tables. He would go to the local school board meeting. You know, he wouldn't waste his time <laughs> going to the local church, right? But the pastors right. aren't preaching anyway, right? He, 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 he would spend <laughs> his time going to the local school board meeting to address mm. how society is treating the least of these. The Bible says in Luke 17 and 2 that if um, it's better for a man to have a millstone bound around his neck and to be thrown in the sea than for us to harm or to damage a child. And today wow. our children are being destroyed. They're being, they're being yep. used as if they're disposable, you know? And I, I really think now more than ever that we need to address that and put our focus around that because we're losing a generation and the blood is on the hands of pastors and parents. And it's time mm-hmm. for us to speak to it and to address that issue. That's good. Um, last question and this is a personal question as someone who loves preaching you are quite the preacher um where did you learn where did you learn how to preach what was the uh, process like because your your story isn't one of i was born and i decided i was going right. to be a preacher so when did you start preaching and how did you grow into that uh, let me see i would say as early as the age of tw- 12 i had a propensity for the things of god and so i just i love that's pretty yeah, early, to, yeah. to watch old sermons of preaching right you know i'm I'm a millennial, but I'm an old soul, right? And so, um, yeah, yeah. I would say this also my trainer and my teacher, uh, my pedagogue has been my senior pastor, who's also my father in law. Uh, he, he, he yeah, trained wow. me uh, to be a preacher. He developed me. He told me uh, when I first started preaching that I had it wrong. <laughs> and he, to- he gave me the framework on how to be a better <laughs> preacher, you know? At that time, I was more into, you know, sounding good rather than being um, truthful and being steeped in scripture when I preached. He told me um, at the age of 20 that I was a warrior preacher. He said, John, you're not like most of these preachers. You're not a weak preacher or a timid preacher. You're a warrior (laughs) preacher. 
And you know, and saying yeah. that to a former football player that that meant that meant yeah, something. right. Warrior preacher that meant something. You know, yeah. and so <laughs> and really, what it was telling me that you know, John, you're like John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't a mm. reed shaking in the wind. He wasn't some flimsy preacher, yeah. spineless, jellyback uh, preacher that won't speak the truth. John the Baptist was a strong, right. strong contender for the faith. So I would have That's to good. say, um, of course, my first evangelist was my mother, but also my senior pastor, my father-in-law, Bishop Patrick Lane Wooden Sr. That's what yeah. uh, th- those are the individuals who trained me how to preach. That's awesome. We need more trained preachers in America. I uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, went into the Marine Corps, and life took a weird turn. I ended up working at a church, and my pastor one Sunday or one uh, staff meeting during the week came to me and said, "Hey, Sunday you're going to preach." I I had never taught a class. I mean, I had no idea what that was about. And uh, man, what a, what a crazy time that was. And then learning and growing, and that was a long time ago. It was twenty years yes. ago. But uh, we need more trained preachers. We need more men like your father in law <laughs> who will take young men and teach them how to preach because we need that's more right. of that. That's right, man. Well, that's thank awesome. you so much. Where can people? Yes, sir. Where can people get your book? And where can people uh, follow the work that you're doing? Go to erased. E-R-A-C-E-D book.com erasedbook.com and you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at R-E-V-W-U truth rev woo truth and follow me there for more truth for more preaching and I always have a message for the Hokies the Pokies and all of the Wokies (laughs) (laughs) that's a good word john i'm a chukwu thank you man really appreciate it thank you brother we were not made to live in isolation sadly many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone this self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day a lot of guys end up drinking a lot of guys end up losing hope someone will go to the va and they'll try to get you know prescription medications to help with PTSD, you know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, These men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. 
Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. I appreciate John coming on and talking to us today. This book, as I am recording, is soon to be released. Please go and check that out and uh, follow him. You will do yourself a service. Also, if you are someone that likes good, strong preaching, go and check out John's videos. Uh, Such a clear articulator. Articulator? I'm not a good articulator, but John is a good articulator. He articulates well. Uh, Go and check him out and uh, the messages that he has for us, but then what he has written on these issues. So important and uh, so uh, necessary for us to understand. Please check that out. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, do that right now. You can subscribe wherever it is you are listening from. Please subscribe and then take a moment to share this content with someone else. There are other people in your life that would enjoy listening to a show just like this one, and you have one that you can offer to them. So send that over. That would be fantastic. That, of course, expands our reach and allows us to do more content like this. Then take some time, go over to YouTube. You can find our channel, The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there, and there you'll have an archive of videos over the course of the time we have been doing this show. Uh, So many great videos, great conversations there. Please check that out. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, and then share that content with others. That would be fantastic. Again, really appreciate you watching. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.